please pray with me. Father God, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you that you love us enough to speak to us. Father, we thank you for your word in the Bible in a language that we can understand. Father, we we ask that we wouldn't just understand the words, but that you would shape our hearts tonight. Please give us soft hearts and open ears to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, have you, uh, have you ever been part of a team that went bad? A team that went bad. You know, a group of people working towards a goal that was a total failure. I have. Uh, when I was studying at uni, they love to, to give us group assignments. And I used to dread this, mostly because of the very first group assignment I ever had to do. There were four of us doing this two-month assignment uh, in my first year of engineering, and it was an absolute disaster. First of all, two of the guys uh, didn't even show their face until the day before the assignment was due. And then the other two of us, we had two completely different ideas about what the assignment meant, so we each happily went off in two different directions. And the result was that this assignment was half-baked and a total mess. To top it all off, though, um, half of our result came from a a mark that we had to give each other. (laughs) We, uh, we, We had to rate each other's performance. I mean, talk about a cruel social experiment. <laughs> and uh, being the honest man that I am, on, on marking day, I made no friends. <laughs> now, why did my team go bad? Why did my team turn out a disaster? I think for two reasons. And these two reasons can make any team go bad. First of all, we didn't have a unified goal, a single goal. We lost sight of what the assignment was. We had the two of us that were actually doing it went off in two different directions. Secondly, our team didn't have faithfulness. You know, two of the guys didn't even show up. They assumed the other half would bear the brunt of the work. See, what you need for a good team is a single goal and people who are faithful to that goal. Now, my example is, in the long run, kind of a trivial one. and You might have experienced something much more serious, a time in your uni studies or a time at work where a lot was on the line, but people around you didn't share the same goal or people around you let you down and were unfaithful. Good teams, good teams, they need a single goal and they need faithfulness. Now, the Apostle Paul has a, has a goal. He, he's got a goal as he writes to the Colossians. We saw it a few weeks ago in Colossians chapter 1. You can find it in Colossians 1.28. We've got it here printed on the screen. This is Paul's goal. Have a look at it. Him, that is Jesus, we proclaim. We proclaim Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone Mature in Christ. Maturity in Christ. That's Paul's goal. That's what he's aiming for. He wants, he wants people to be standing strong in Christ. You could say that he's on a maturity mission. So Paul has this single goal. But he's not a one-man band. Paul was part of a team. And as he wraps up his letter to the Colossians, 
we get to meet some of his team members in this maturity mission. So let's have a look at them now and see how the team stacks up. First, we meet Paul's couriers. He has these two messengers called Tychicus and Onesimus. And these guys are a vital part of the team because they are Paul's link with the outside world. Paul's imprisoned at this point. These guys are his link to the outside world. So he sends them out with news to the Colossians, with news that will encourage the Colossians. And we see here that Paul's couriers are the right man for the job because they are faithful. They faithfully clock up miles delivering letters all over the place. And without fail, Paul can trust that his, his messages will get to their destination. So Paul is able to encourage the Colossians to maturity precisely because these guys are faithful. What a, what a vital ministry that is. Think about it. To be able to share news with these people after a long period of silence. News that will encourage. And the Colossians, they need all the encouragement they can get. Maybe the only information that they have is that Paul is locked up somewhere. I mean, what would they think? What would they think? They might think that, that they're all alone. A tiny new church in a hostile world. They might think that sticking with Jesus is just not worth the trouble. Or they might get fooled by the false teachers that are around. But to have detailed and personal immediate news from Paul would be such an encouragement. Encouragement that they aren't alone. Because Paul is with them in prayer and he's with them as he writes his letters to them. And, and all of that, even while he's being persecuted. They would know, if they knew all of Paul's circumstances, they would know that he is struggling for their maturity. And Paul wants them to know this in detail. So that's exactly why he sends his couriers. So that the Colossians' hearts will be encouraged. They're not alone. Let's, uh, let's meet these faithful men in verses 7 to 9 of Colossians 4. Colossians 4, verses 7 to 9. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Well, next, uh, Paul sends greetings from six of his team members. Six team members, three Jewish, three Gentile. First of all, the Jews. We hear greetings from Aristarchus, a fellow prisoner with Paul, and greetings from Mark. And the third greeting comes from a man named Jesus. Not that one. Jesus Justice. And then Paul says, and notes this, he says that they are the only Jews among his fellow workers. From all of, all of Paul's uh, fellow compatriots, his, his brothers who are Jewish Christians, from all of them, there's only these three that are sticking by Paul. Only these three are faithful at this point. 
And Paul treasures their faithfulness very highly. He says that they bring him comfort. Have a look at uh, Paul's Jewish co-workers in verses 10 and 11. My fellow prisoner, prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You've received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who was called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort for me. But there are three other greetings too in this section. Three, three Gentiles. Their names are Epaphras, Luke and Demas. Now we've already met Epaphras in, in Colossians, haven't we? Epaphras has a special relationship with the Colossians because he is the first one who brought the gospel to them. But now he's separated from them. He's with Paul, off in prison. But it doesn't stop Epaphras. Oh no, he hasn't forgotten the Colossians. In fact, you get the sense that Epaphras is filled with a special passion for the Colossians' well-being. He engages in a struggle for them. He fights for them. He battles for them. And he does all of that by praying for them. See, Epaphras is a model of of someone who does what Paul instructed last week. He devotes himself to prayer. He gives prayer his full attention, his top priority. And it's a battle that he's engaged in constantly. And what is Epaphras fighting for? Well, for the maturity of the Colossians. He prays that they'd be safe and secure, all grown up and strong, that they would stand firm, You see, it's exactly the same goal that Paul has for the Colossians. Have a look at verses 12 to 14. Let's meet Epaphras, Luke and Demas. Verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Herapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. You see, you see the unity of Paul's team here, don't you? I mean, Jew and Gentile, usually sworn enemies, but here they are, one in Christ, working towards that one goal. They're working together for the maturity of the Colossians. Well, with, with those greetings done, Paul has some instructions for the Colossians. He wants to encourage not only the Colossian church, but also the believers in Laodicea. See, the, the Colossian and Laodicean churches were next-door neighbours. They were two towns about 15 kilometres apart. And both these churches face the same hostile world. So Paul tells the Colossians to greet the Laodiceans. And he instructs these two two churches to swap letters. Because these two, two churches are really part of the one church, aren't they? They are all part of the one body of Christ. You know... By giving these instructions, Paul is engaging the Colossians themselves in the mission. And the Laodiceans too, 
they join in. You see, the Colossians' goal becomes the maturity of the Laodiceans and the Laodiceans join in and and encourage the Colossians by sharing their letter with them. You see, this maturity mission isn't just Paul's mission. It's the mission of the whole church, every congregation, every individual. Have a look at, at the Colossians and the Laodiceans and their part in this mission in verses 15 and 16. Verse 15, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. They are one church with one goal. But this mission of maturity, it can be tough. I mean, you just have to look at Paul's sufferings. So Paul has one final instruction. Paul tells the Colossians to encourage a particular team member, a a man named Archippus, to encourage him to keep at his job, to stick at it. Paul wants Archippus to stay faithful to his work on the team. Perhaps Archippus was in danger of, of giving up under pressure. Now, we don't know the details, really, but we can say for sure that Paul is concerned for Archippus' faithfulness because Paul knows that unfaithfulness is disastrous for the team. Have a look at verse 17. It says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Are you getting a sense of what Paul's team is like? Can you see their faithfulness here? Can you see that they're all devoted to that one same goal? People standing firm in Jesus. Well, we've got one more verse to go. Paul's final words wrap up the letter just beautifully, I think. See, Paul takes, takes the pen from the scribe who would normally write down the letter... And he signs off in his own hand. And then he adds two poignant sentences, just seven words. Remember my chains, grace be with you. Seven words that wrap up the whole of Colossians. Remember my chains, says Paul. Remember my chains. Remember what they mean. These chains mean that I will do anything for your maturity. Paul's chains are like the badges of his ministry. Paul rejoices in these chains. He rejoices in what he suffers for the body of Christ. And you can kind of hear Paul's chains clanking around as he writes. And those chains, they speak of Paul's faithfulness under pressure. And they should inspire the Colossians to that same faithfulness. Remember my chains. And Paul's final words in the letter? Grace be with you. Grace. God's free gift. God's free gift of salvation in Jesus. Full salvation. Paul says, let that grace be with you and shape you, bringing you to maturity. Paul's on a mission to see them mature, but it's a mission based on God's grace. It's God's grace that gives it power. 
It's that same grace that gives full salvation in Jesus. And that grace powers the maturity mission. See how Paul signs off there in verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Well, there you go. That's the end of Colossians. And tonight we've caught a a glimpse of Paul's team, haven't we? And they're not a team gone bad. Firstly, they have one clear goal that they all share, to see people mature in Christ. They're not divided. And secondly, they stick faithfully to this goal. They are not giving up on it. So what do, what do Paul's teammates have to do with us? Well, I think it's kind of obvious. We are part of the same team. Our goal as Christians is to see all people mature in Christ. That's what we want to see, isn't it? We want to see each other grow in Christ. To know Jesus more and more. To love him more and more. And it's not just each other here sitting in the pews at church. It's our family and our friends out there as well. People who don't know Jesus yet. Don't you want to see all of them standing firm in Christ? Let me say a quick word to you if you're here tonight but you're not yet a follower of Jesus. See, this isn't just our goal for people who are already Christian. No, if you are here tonight and don't yet trust Jesus, let me be clear with you and honest. This is our goal for you as well. We want to see you grow up in Jesus. So I'll ask you just one question. Where are you up to with Jesus? All people mature in Christ. That's the goal of our team. We are called to be faithful to that goal, just like Paul's team members were. Sticking at it, whatever the circumstances. Concentrating on that goal, despite distractions, and making it our priority, even when our time is just eaten away by so many other things. So how can we be a good team? I started out by talking about teams gone bad teams blinded to the goal and teams unfaithful to the goal. Do you need to take a warning from those problems today? Is your goal the same as what we see here in Colossians? Do you strive to see all people mature in Christ? Because whatever your goal is or your your different goals in life, God's goal is to bring people to Christ and to make them more like him. So we should all get on board with that. The maturity mission should shape our church from the bottom to the top. The elders, the ministry team, every individual, we must all keep this goal front and centre. We must keep proclaiming Jesus so that people become mature in him. And so we must be faithful to the goal. We all have a part to play. We can't just... Let others bear the brunt. So how can we actually faithfully play our part in the maturity mission? What can we do specifically? Well, I want to break it down for you into uh, three, three kind of areas to help us think about this. Three areas. I want, to, I want to talk about taking heart, taking interest, 
and taking action. Take heart, take interest and take action. Firstly, take heart. How, uh, how does all this talk about devotion to the mission make you feel? Perhaps it gets you down. Do you feel discouraged today? Is there that little thought that, you know, maybe it'd be easier to give up? Maybe it'd be easier not to stick so close to Jesus? All that big mission language, it's all just talk. Well, as you read this part of Colossians and get to know Paul's team, think on this. You're not alone. You're not alone in your faith. You're not alone as you serve other people. People are praying for you, for your maturity in Jesus, praying that you would stick with him. People on the team are asking God to graciously hold you up and grow you. Take heart. And be encouraged by the news of the mission going on ahead, here and and across the world. There are faithful workers out there who are on your team, people you don't even know, but people who are working for the same thing as you, struggling along so that people can meet Jesus, can be saved and to grow in him. And take heart too that people, sorry, that God uses people in this mission, ordinary people, all types of people, not just the Apostle Paul, not just Jeff or Warren, but every Christian. God graciously uses people to grow the whole church in maturity. So consider your special part in that and take heart. Secondly, take interest. There's a lot going on out there. God is doing great stuff. So find out about it. Sign up for all the missionaries' prayer emails that you can find. And then write back to them. Make it personal. Get to know them. Tell them how the mission is going here. Encourage their hearts. Their communication lines are more open than they've ever been in history. Let's make use of it. But it's not just missionaries out there on the team, is it? It's all of you. You all have news to share with each other. News about how you're growing and news about how people around you are growing. Now, you may not have converted 10 people this week, but how about after this service, you ask just one person, how's the mission going for you? And most important of all, as you take interest, pray. Be devoted to prayer as that news comes in. Now, taking interest is one way that we can express our part in the team's mission. It will encourage our hearts and help us to stay faithfully on task. Brothers and sisters, this is our one goal. We proclaim Jesus so that people will grow up into Jesus. So thirdly, we must take action. And every action that we take, whether as a gathered community or as individuals, should in some way come back to that one goal. That means that we should seek every opportunity we can to grow each other in maturity. It means having honest conversations with each other. It means praying for growth. 
It means thanking God for the growth that we do see. Thanking God for each other. And that means we need to be involved with each other, involved in each other's lives, getting to know each other well so that we can pray better and know how best to encourage each other to maturity. It means spending time together. It means opening our homes. It means sharing meals, hanging out together. And growing together happens around God's word. So open the Bible together. It doesn't have to be some official church Bible study. You can open the Bible any time. But sometimes faithfulness in this is difficult. Sometimes it is difficult. Because sometimes it will mean that we have to have hard conversations with each other. We have to point out to each other areas in which we can grow. And this goes against the grain for many of us. It goes against the grain for me. But think about this. Think about our goal. Our goal is growth in Christ. Our goal is seeing people stand firm in Christ. That's too important a goal to let a little bit of social awkwardness stand in the way. There are so many ways that we can be involved in bringing others to maturity in Christ. But let me just mention one more. I know Mission Month doesn't start till next week, but why not get in early and mention this week to someone that you are a Christian? Someone who doesn't know that yet. Just some way, some way let them know that you are a Christian. Because you know what? You might just be pointing them along the path to full salvation and maturity in Christ. How about that? Now I stand here confident that, that as you take heart and take interest and take action, confident that God is working. Because our God is the God of grace, isn't he? He brings people to maturity in Christ by his grace. And he uses our small efforts in his mission by his grace. So let's keep that maturity mission clear in our minds. Let's be faithful to it. And friends, pray with me now that, that we would all continue to be rooted in Christ growing up in him. Please pray with me. Our Father God, we thank you for your word to us in this book of Colossians. We thank you that you have spoken to us and answered our prayers. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus, who is the image of you, the one who is the firstborn over all creation the one who offers us full salvation. Father, we thank you for your grace to us, your free gift of that salvation. And Father, we do thank you for the growth that we see in each other. Thank you for the brothers and sisters here who are rooted in Christ and being built up in him. Father, now we pray for more of that maturity. Father, we pray that we would have a clear vision of that goal to see everyone mature in Christ. Father, please give us faithfulness, faithfulness like we saw in Paul and his team. Father, we pray that your spirit would work in us 
to bring us to maturity on that final day and to keep us faithful to that goal as we wait. In Jesus' great name, amen.